uh, Brian, record Akai, record standing. It's very relaxing. I would love to do that, actually. Um, just that you would then be looking at my navel. I'm not sure what anybody gets out of that. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe it's lovely? I don't know. <laughs> it, it's a you matter of taste. There's no accounting for taste. <laughs> I haven't paid attention to it that much up to this point. I don't think today we're going to change that, so... <laughs> <laughs> But at any rate, uh, you want to do the intro, sir? Uh, and with that, hello and welcome to the second episode of our podcast. As we go on the third online semester, we can't ignore all the changes this format brought with it. Today, we want to look at some of those changes and the impact they had on the students and lecturers. Not only has the impact on mental health of both sides been significant, but it has also raised the general awareness of mental health. It has become far more acceptable to receive aid for mental health issues and psychologists and are becoming more and more important with the growing length of the pandemic. To better address these topics and to represent the student side of all of this, we're joined by two members of the Vigos Mental. We're joined by Lena. Hi. And Michelle. Hi. Since we have the experts with us, I will skip the explanation of Lilligos <laughs> and will let them explain it later on. However, I would like to say that if you are someone that has mental health issues or that is in a bad headspace, there's nothing wrong with seeking or getting help. The university has multiple hotlines and services that you can call, which are totally anonymous and free. Mental health is important and no one has to tackle their problems alone. Knowing about how and where to get help is especially important right now, so help spread awareness and allow yourself to get help. We'll provide some links in the description and wish everyone with mental health issues, as well as health issues, the best possible help and a speedy recovery. So let's get on with the episode. Yes. Lena, Michelle, thank you both so much for being here today. Um, I think, especially uh, now with the pandemic, as Lena already mentioned, but really all the time. Um, that whether it's uh, during or after the pandemic, whether it was before the pandemic, mental health is one of those health issues that seems to kind of get swept under the rug, that people tend to uh, either ignore or have little experience with, or the experience that they begin to have with it um, is somehow stigmatized. And so I thought, I didn't only think this, Leon and I both thought it would be great to have Lily Goes Mental here on the show just to tell us a little bit you know, about what you guys do um, and, and to generate more awareness for um, mental illness and maybe um, share a couple of, of stories. I'm, I'm not going to force anybody to say anything about their own personal stories, but I know I have my own stories to share. And so I feel like it's definitely worth talking about just to maybe try to help destigmatize these kinds of things. First of all, I'm going to ignore our guest and say, Leon, how did you first find out about Lily Goes Mental? Um... I think I heard about it from the Fachschaft or from an email that I got in a couple of semesters ago, which just said, if you, if you want to talk about medical problems, if you want to talk to, about, to students about problems you have related to, the, uh, to your studies that are like mental problems, or if you have like mental blockage, or if you want to talk problems you had concerning essays or lectures, you can join um, the round table basically of Lilligos Mental and just talk to other students about it. And I went to a meeting and it was uh, around 20 students sitting in a circle talking about their problems, that an essay was too hard or that they are stressed or that they can't manage it. And it was just talking about your problems and um, realizing that your problems are not only your problems, but others have the same problems as well. 
And then after the pandemic or amidst the pandemic, I joined a couple of uh, Zoom sessions of Lily Goes Mental uh, with a couple of friends and other students. And we again talked about what are the problems you have or you had during the pandemic that are related to online studies or the same problems you had before, writing essays, talking to lecturers, or maybe just anxiety that is uh, an effect of studying. And I think we can all definitely agree that anxiety plays a part in any kind of <laughs> academic endeavor. Uh, I think from from all sides of the uh, the chessboard, if you so will. Um, great. So uh, then, why don't we start off by asking Lily goes mental? Uh, our representatives here, uh, Lena and Michelle. Um, why don't we just quickly just start off with um, how would you two describe uh, Lily goes mental, and how did you get involved? So just because you're on the left on my screen, Lena, uh, you want to start us off? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So uh, I'm just going to introduce Lily goes mental very quick. Uh, so I think if you're in the Lily faculty, you've probably gotten some emails from us. Um, or if you're new, you will get some, um, <laughs> because we're always sending emails. Um, <laughs> not always, but yeah, whatever. Um, so yeah, we are here to work towards kind of ending the stigma uh, around mental health and around mental illness um, and spread or increase the awareness um, around mental health topics and how to get help, seek help, and um, kind of accept that you need help, um, if you do. Um, and we are also there to provide um, mental health resources, not we ourselves, but um, kind of we can guide you to others. Um, and we also hold social events um, and have a blog where um, there's also information about different mental health topics and studying in the pandemic, etc. Yeah. Um, I joined Lidigos Mental at the end of last year um, because they sent around an email and said, we're looking for new members. And I thought, well, <laughs> I'm going to see if they are still seeking new members. And um, well, here I am. And they were. And they were. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess the, the question that goes with that, how, how does Lily Goes Mental advertise for new members? Uh, the, the, <laughs> simply just as blunt as that, hey, we, we need more people. Um, and what kind of information did you have about the organization before you joined? Um, so, yeah, I went to a few of the Lily Talks events um, when they were still in person and not online yet. I think uh, one about stress and just uh, studying with mental health problems in our university or at our university. Um, so there I was first made aware of the group in itself. And then as I'm also at the Lilly faculty, I also got some emails from them when they had new events, etc. And they kind of advertised in one of those emails for seeking new members. So um, I think it just said, and we're always um, welcoming to new members and uh, yeah. yeah. Great. 
Okay, so it sounds like they're a fairly laid-back group and uh, very welcoming, if that's the yes. case. <laughs> um, Michelle, how about your story? How did you get involved? Actually, I only joined like a month and a half ago, so I'm fairly new. Um, actually, I heard about Lily Goes Mental a long time ago, and I kind of never had the courage to join, um, but I was definitely stalking their website <laughs> because I kind of felt really connected to the topic and I was really excited about other people finally talking about mental health and it was and then like Leon I already joined uh, some online events during the pandemic um, and then I finally had the courage to just go ahead and write an email and say I would be interested and um yeah, I've been there since. I mean, currently has been occupied by learning for an oral exam. So I haven't really done that much, but hopefully that's going to change. Well, I'm glad to hear that you've got that oral exam behind you. That's uh, yes. excellent news, of course. Uh, congratulations on, on that. Um, good. Uh, for those of you listening, it's only because I know personally uh, I was a part of that exam as well. And... Uh, <laughs> What are you going to do? These things happen. Uh, It's a tight-knit community. We all kind of know each other anyway. Uh, So our our problems become our our friends' and colleagues' problems as well. And also, we're very willing to help one another as such. All right. Um, So are there any uh, events that Lily Goes Mental is planning at the moment? So is there anything coming up that people could um, join or look forward to being a part of? Um, Yeah, we are at the moment planning another Lily Talks, which is our kind of event where people can get together and talk about one topic, um, well, mental health related topic, um, but we aren't yet sure what to talk about. So if you have any suggestions, you can either also send us an email or uh, DM us on Instagram. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, if you mentioned, uh, you know, topics in mental health uh, for for those listening, um, what kinds of topics might those be? I mean, we've kind of got a, a basic idea of stress or anxiety uh, during your your program uh, here uh, and and how uh, <laughs> Anglistic and Bielefeld University can stress people out. Um, <laughs> But but what other kinds of topics uh, do get mentioned? Um, we also talked about home office, so how that works for people and um, might not work for people. Um, also, I think just studying in general, what kind of challenges that brings. Um, yeah, around I would, those. I would then add just general coping mechanisms for all different things, not just now during the lockdown, but in general, how to deal with stress, anxiety, all that. I think I remember also a session that was about how to learn without stress or basically how to understand topics without stressing yourself and learning 10 hours a day. <laughs> so uh, like, uh, what is Pomodoro and why is it great for students? Why should every student know the name Pomodoro? <laughs> all right, Leanne, you've, you've let the cat out of the bag here. Why don't you tell us what the Pomodoro is? If I... Uh, um, Pomodoro te- the Pomodoro technique is basically that you learn for a certain amount of time. I think for most people, it's half an hour to 45 minutes. And then you take a short break between, I think, 10 to 15 minutes. And 
allow your brain to cool off, to turn your brain off for a couple of minutes and then you can start learning again because your brain needs a break from learning because it can't take too much in or process too much knowledge at a time. And it's something that um, in university is very important because you have a, you have classes which are around one and a half hours, which is not working if you want to learn via Pomodoro. So there are a lot of professors or luckily there are some professors in the linguistics that say, okay, after 45 minutes, we are going to take a break, even in an online seminar for five or 10 minutes. So my brain and your brain can cool off for, uh, for this amount of time and then we can start learning again. That actually sounds quite helpful. I mean, even for, for my seminars. See, I've picked up something. Yes, please. Future, future <laughs> people in my seminars. Um, although, I, I, I mean, I at least justify it to myself in that uh, I don't think I ever lecture for longer than 10 minutes at a time. Um, but that's just me. Uh, I do a lot with group work and, and try and get people like Leon listening to music uh, when we're having certain courses. Yes, I That's agree. true. <laughs> I but I can, I can second that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I can see that there's, there's definitely some value in that, um, that kind of system. Um, and certainly when we mix that idea with the fact of being trapped at home and working from our home offices where people like me, I think I wake up, you know, hopefully on a given day at around eight or nine, and then I'm at my computer all day, uh, literally all day. And so trying to figure out when is a good time, even for, 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 let's say, normal standard human kinds of breaks, like when to have breakfast or lunch or possibly dinner throughout the day. Um, but then also just to have this, this kind of timer that you set for yourself to say, okay, uh, this is just a break to have a break. There's no other function to this break. Um, and that's something that's valuable and in the long run, hopefully helpful. Um, so... Thanks for bringing that up. If we were any remotely sponsored podcast, this would this break segment of yours would 100% be sponsored by KitKat. Definitely. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this was immediately what break. I thought about. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to cut in a KitKat commercial here. Um... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Although if I... If I... Not not mistaken, I think probably nobody heard the last commercial that I added to the podcast last episode. So um, I think we're probably safe on that market. Hey, that, well. that, that's unfair. Michelle and Lena listened to the whole thing. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. we did. Of course we, we did. Wow. Look, at, look at how popular we are. We've got two <laughs> listeners. I'm, I'm already <laughs> impressed by that number of listeners. Um, very nice. Like one of the five people out of the 280 that listen to the podcast listen to the end. <laughs> Yeah, that's the trouble with Google Analytics and, uh, again, the, the social media uh, craziness that we put ourselves through. Like, oh, my God, I've got all of this uh, information now about my listeners or if I'm on social media, people who are friends or followers or subscribers or whatever. Uh, I think this is also perhaps something that we can also talk about here in the context of uh, Lily Goes Mental. Uh, I don't know. Is, is this something that... The two of you, Michelle, Lena, um, think is, or at least a part of what Lily Goes Mental at least talks about to a certain degree, social media. There are a lot of critics uh, and there are a lot of people who feel this pressure, uh, especially when they're on, I don't know, Insta or uh, whatever your flavor of social media might be to have 
I don't know, the most perfectly projected private life, professional life, etc., and comparisons to, uh, let's say, influencers or anything else. Uh, is this something that comes up in talks or? Um, not that I specifically remember, but I think it just comes up in correlation to mental health in general, because for some people, it also influences their mental health in terms of self-confidence and uh, stuff like that. So I think it just kind, kind of comes up as a topic on the side, so to say. Fair enough. I remember there was a class at some point uh, taught by someone that was about <laughs> unfriend. So basically the how friendship gets destroyed via social media and the impact of social media on friendship. Well, that sounds like an interesting class. I would, it was. I would take that class. <laughs> it was. It was very interesting. It was also kind of weird. But it was interesting. Mm. So maybe just uh, now not pretending to be experts at all or anything. Um, where do you guys stand on social media? Uh, do you find it, uh, I don't know, difficult to, to manage? Or are you able to maintain kind of a safe distance from this idealized versions of the self that you project out there or don't? You should see the faces right now. <laughs> like, mm. I think, I think for me, I'm more of an observer with social media rather than really active. But I do sometimes find myself on like Instagram, looking at the pictures and kind of getting these thoughts of like, oh, their life is perfect or they're doing so much better. And especially when it's like people my age or even people that I know from school, like former schoolmates, it's kind of like, oh, they have their life together <laughs> kind of in a way. And I'm like struggling. And I always have to remind myself that I have a different background and a different story that, you know, and I've had hardships that maybe they haven't had. And so it's perfectly normal that I might not be as quickly at studying or you know, might be struggle a little bit more and need to take more time. So I always try to remind myself of that, that, you know, we didn't all have the same starting point and we don't have to be at the same point in time. Mm. I personally also try to keep my feet kind of free of those kind of expectations. So like I kind of pick who I follow based on what they post, of course, um, but then also see how that affects me in general. So when I kind of see that someone I follow kind of only posts these really heavily edited and just picture-perfect pictures, <laughs> um, I used to kind of um, unfollow them just because I know that just won't be good for me to always see on my feed. So, yeah. Hmm. I'm perfectly able to manage all of my zero social media accounts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only have uh, WhatsApp to communicate with my friends. And I, don't, I think it's still social media in some way or form. But I don't look at like status pictures and daily updates or something. I only use it to, to write to people. So I use it like an SMS program. And I get like glimpses of Instagram and other stuff when, when I'm with other people and they use it. But I up to this point, didn't really understand the use of it. Because if I really want to share something with someone, I just use a direct um, tool like WhatsApp. And I don't see the, the use of sharing my life with people that I don't know. Mm. 
so I'm just not I, I, I never got into it because I could never maybe I, I see why other people do it but I myself could never do this and take myself seriously I feel like I'm without criticizing people that do it <laughs> Yeah, no, fair. I mean, this is free of criticism. I think it's all what's good for you and, and how do you use it uh, as long as it you know stays within healthy levels. I think uh, I, I personally, am, I think I have just about everything uh, that there is uh, under the sun. And I think the age gap I definitely feel here um, because I grew <laughs> up, there was no social media. Then MySpace came out. And nobody knows about MySpace that well. Uh, it, it, it's really meh. I don't know. I Did watched a guys... documentary on MySpace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how you know it's old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, exactly, exactly the sentiment <laughs> I was going to put out there. But no, I mean, I joined Facebook, uh, I think, probably uh, when you guys were still in elementary school, at least. Um, and everything else that came out afterwards, probably fairly quickly after that or after it was released. Although I've, I've got to admit, I've never felt like I have to compare myself with the people who are my friends or the people that I follow. I mean, I follow like celebrities that I like, and there's no way I'm going to make that comparison. It's like, uh, yeah, so my ranch doesn't look anything like George Lucas's. Um, <laughs> That's to be expected, I suppose. Um, or maybe my acting my, career isn't nearly as good as, let's say, Harrison Ford's. Fair. Um, my belly is not as beautiful as Jack Black's. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't know if I want to say it's not as good. But he definitely knows how to move it better than I do. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's got some great videos of him dancing around the pool. Um, <laughs> I've seen the Thor video. It's great. There's so much to love about Jack Black. So I guess He's we're great. shouting out Jack Black here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, there's plenty of stuff to follow that's, I think, positive as well. I mean, there's there's these very positive messages uh, that are out there. Not to be confused with certain things. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Anthony Jeselnik's um, stand-up comedy. Um, but one of the things he says about you know certain kinds of posts, so uh, some tragic event happens or maybe even a personal friend uh, has something go on in their lives and the only thing that a person might post is thoughts and prayers and the idea at this particular moment uh, at least according to Jeselnik is yeah I know that something terrible is happening out there but don't forget me's I'm still here I need attention <laughs> um, at least the idea the the shtick of the joke is that people use social media just to make people aware of their own existence um which is kind of a sad thought. I mean, it's not why I use it, but I'm sure that there are some people out there that may see it in this way. But in the... Um, while we're talking about the topic of um, thoughts and prayers, I think there's a whole rubric of like useless social media comments. I think a, a British comedian talked about that, Joe Lysett, and he said that he has a whole stick of looking at those, like um, four plus three equals seven but five plus two also equals seven. Choose your own path. It's like, oh, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> not teaching you anything. It's just trying to be deep, uh, magical and deep for no reason. Deep inspirational quote yes. here. <laughs> Insert. And it's stuff like top yeah. models and superstars posts. It's like, it's seven plus four 
does not equal that I am Beyonce. It doesn't help me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I, I you see the irony of me saying that I'm not on social media and I don't understand sharing stuff from my personal life while on a podcast. <laughs> sharing your personal before, life. Before anyone realizes this and writes it in some form of a comment to us or an email to us. I understand this. I know this. <laughs> yeah, no, we have comments turned off. No, no worries there. <laughs> True, but we want to have an, uh, some sort of an email system where people can send us replies or... Um, oh, oh, email's already set up. We've already got Anglist and Assemble got... at Outlook.de. We're we're totally oh, uh, set up. I'm waiting for the for the podcast replies. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you and me both. I mean, again, speaking to how much response we're going to be getting, I've checked the emails a couple of times, and the spam that we get is quite lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how many singers are in the area right now? Yeah, I, I could go and check our spam and read out uh, exactly what people are sending us, but I'm not going to do that. All right. Um, so to, to stay on topic with Lily Goes Mental for a second, um, I mean, I, I, I said I was going to share um, some personal stuff, and I think this is this is part of... I don't know, when Lily's Goes Mental started, I, I I was supportive, I wasn't active, but I was always trying to, to broadcast uh, from my office, uh, using my door as poster space, everything that I could <laughs> just to, to show that the, the organization exists. Um, and for me, I think um, the stigma that goes wrong with mental health uh, definitely comes from my own relationship with my father, who was bipolar. And not just a little bit bipolar, I mean that he would have depressive phases, excuse me, um, where he wouldn't be able to get out of bed uh, that lasted immense amounts of time. And then he would have manic phases, if his uh, lithium levels weren't correct, where he would be so manic that he would hallucinate and not even be able to differentiate between his fantasy world and reality. Um, memories include... Um, after my parents divorced, that he came to my mother's door where my brother and I were just children and was convinced that his best friend and some ex-girlfriend were sitting in a van at the end of the street waiting to come and kidnap the two of us. Um, which, of course, was not the case. So, um, in his particular case, the problems that were caused by what essentially is a brain chemical imbalance, were able to be sorted out very simply through uh, regular checkups on his lithium level and taking his lithium pills. Um, beyond that, there was no problem. Um, however, there were other things that would affect uh, exactly this issue. That is to say that uh, drug and alcohol consumption would also mess with those brain chemicals. And so would he drink or do something else, this would also cause his brain chemistry to go out of whack and it would need to be adjusted. And if that wasn't caught fast enough, then these symptoms would then come back. Now, the feeling at the time, of course, we were talking here about uh, the late 80s, uh, early 90s, and the, the idea of mental health and certainly the let's say, the, uh, the atmosphere around it, the stigma that, that was attached to it was one that was completely different than it is today. Um, at the time, nobody knew what was going on. And ignorance, more than anything else, was the problem. 
once it was caught, then it was not an issue anymore. And if it became an issue, we would understand why and what to do. And so these are things that at least make Lilygo's mental something that I think is 100% uh, valuable, um, or even 150% value if valuable if I want to make mathematicians angry. Um, <laughs> just to get the awareness out there that just as if someone were to let's say break their leg and you would tell them oh don't worry about it just walk on it for a while it'll be fine uh nobody is going to you know tell somebody with a, a real mental illness you know just get on with your life you know get up out of bed everything's going to be okay if you can just get up out of bed um or know what you're telling me is completely fantastical and has no basis in reality, you need to stop believing that, and then everything's gonna be okay. It's not that simple. There's a problem. There's a medical solution, whether that's treatment, medicine, or otherwise, and then you can start coping. But before that, before acknowledging there's a problem, it, there, there's really little you can do. And so that would be at least my motivation for saying, yes, this is something that's valid. We need to promote the idea that mental illness is like any other illness, something that's treatable, something that can affect literally anyone. Nobody is precluded, nobody is safe, and mental illnesses can come and go. Some people are born with genetic mental illnesses like my father, but then other people can have mental illnesses due to trauma, due to other things that happen in their lives um, that affect them in some way. So, off my soapbox for a second. Um, I mean, that's why I would say this is an issue that I find uh, important. So, mental health in general, and Lee Ligo's mental as an extension of that, uh, I think is something that's uh, valuable to me for those reasons. Um, now, I'm not going to ask you guys to air out your dirty laundry here, um, but uh, I'm assuming that you also find it valuable for some or other reason. Uh, and if you want to share any of those reasons, by all means, feel free. I mean, I could just you know, jump on the train and say that uh, I know what you mean. And I think that I got in contact with the attitude of younger people towards mental health because I had an accident when I was in school. And I basically fell down a very long staircase and hit my head multiple times and got a lot of concussions and woke up on the floor, didn't know where I am, and I basically lost four to five years of my memory. And I didn't know how I got there. And I went to a hospital and they scanned me and they couldn't find anything. And then they did a lot of tests and then just they just realized, okay, we don't know what to do. You can, but so we will send you back to school at some point. But I lost all my memories from school. So I don't know, I didn't, I forgot everything that I learned. And I was in around 12th grade, so I need to do my Abitur, and I couldn't. <laughs> but they also couldn't put me with the seventh, uh, the, the, into the seventh class because I was way too old for that. So they gave me one year, they sent me back one year, and told me, try. And if you can't do it, it's okay. So I had to basically relearn all of the knowledge within one year. The five years of school knowledge, the... The, 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 the huge amount of stuff that I had to, to understand within a, this short of a time to finish my abitur in some way or form. 
and that while being compared to other students because they're still like grades so if i get a four the four is still a four and i will be compared to other students there's no special uh special rule for me and i was able to finish my abitur and then i had to decide what do i want to do and i decided i want to study so i needed to relearn even more to be able to study <laughs> and uh, it was a wide ride but i also learned that not even younger kids but also adults can't deal with stuff that they don't see because my problem was not visible so i had I, i told someone this is my problem and they had to believe me that this is my problem and i was confronted with a lot of doubt and students came to me and told me yeah i don't believe you. you did this for attention or you did this because you wanted to go back a grade and i didn't understand the argument why would i fake this what use does this have for me Why is it good for me to go back a grade? Why is it good for me to say I don't remember you? And this also happened with adults. I had teachers that came to me and said, yeah, I don't know how to deal with you. And also, I also had a teacher that told me, yeah, you are better now than before, which is the weirdest argument I've ever heard. So I think mental health, especially with stuff like this, is very important. And we also should teach people how to approach someone and talk to someone that has mental health issues because if we we know how to deal with someone that has a broken leg but we don't know how to approach someone that says i have depression or that i i have amnesia or i have this or that and if we does if we don't teach people that if we don't teach them common behavioristics and behaviors and helpfulness and understanding this can result in people not feeling safe enough to open up about their problems and this creates then again an environment where people get depressed because they can't talk about their feelings and it's a downward spiral yeah heavy topic <laughs> <laughs> someone else <laughs> i mean yeah oh, i mean go on do you want to go on i can i mean it's not gonna get any lighter now i know i was but... in your class you were in, in my school you were one of the nice people by the way <laughs> thank oh, you okay. um you're welcome <laughs> Well, for me, it's it's kind of, well, no, it's not a similar thing, but I agree with what Leon has said, that you need to kind of take away the awkwardness of the conversation of just, because my, my story in that sense, uh, I lost my mom when I was 14, never dealt with it, then kind of gradually everyone like grandparents and family friends also passed away <laughs> never dealt with it then at the age of god 19 or 20 i lost my best friend to cancer didn't deal with it and then it just kind of then my grandmother passed away and it all hit me like a train and i just realized it I just couldn't go on like this. And like, that's when I started to go to like seek therapy and kind of get help and kind of deal with all the things that have happened in my life. But I kind of, and I got more, the more I dealt with it, the more comfortable I got talking about it. And also I was just happy that I finally got a diagnosis and I 
like I had a word for what was going on with me because before I was just like oh it's weird it's you know puberty growing up and realizing that it wasn't and that it was okay for me to kind of lack behind in life because I had all the stuff going on and but I still kind of realized that people get or I thought at least people would get extremely uncomfortable as soon as like depression is mentioned or therapy and it's like this uh an e I don't know what to do with this but actually for me in my circle of friends everyone was super supportive and super open there was actually no awkwardness and just getting this positive response person after person after person just made me so much more comfortable with myself and just talking about it and saying yep this is what it is and I can't change it so getting this positive response and just seeing like oh that's you know sorry to hear that but I'm here to help or to listen or whatever or good luck um just really kind of helped open it up for me so I think I guess an advice to anyone if someone comes up to you and just mentions it don't get awkward don't feel weird if they mention it it's because they trust you because they wanted to tell you and you don't have to do anything I don't think anyone expects you to do anything at first just be there and that's it I guess yeah, I can only second that. Um, so yeah, I've also... Um, my sister had a really long history with her mental health and her mental health problems. Um, and then I also had my long history of my mental health problems. And because hers were kind of just worse than mine, I always swept mine under the rug and kind of bottled up my emotions. Um, but I then I watch a new best friend kind of uh, and she kind of told me about her mental health struggles and her therapy and just kind of acknowledged me and my situation which helped me immensely with coming to terms with it so I think just always kind of being open about this topic can help other people so much in accepting themselves and their problems because otherwise I wouldn't have gone to therapy and wouldn't would still be in a situation where I wouldn't really be able to cope with my problems. So uh, I think just being open with your friends about it is always a good option because, well, none of my friends are weird about it in any way, shape or form. And I like all the insecurities I had about this topic never came from my friends but from outside sources so kind of from media or social media in general and I think being able to see what you have in your surroundings and not what other people say about your surroundings is really important so to actually kind of recognize who you can trust and who you might be able to turn to to talk about these topics. Yeah, there's kind of a buzzword uh, that I hear every now and again that's uh, to a certain extent linked with uh, spiritual uh, topics. And the word I would say is mindfulness. Um, I don't want to talk about that in any kind of yogi, uh, I don't know, um, spiritual type of way. But I think certainly just being aware, as you're saying, Lena, of uh, 
being uh, appreciative for the people, for the things that you have in your life, um, de definitely is one thing that social media doesn't project. <laughs> but I think it's something that we should definitely at least try to take a minute or two uh, every now and again to acknowledge. Um, and of course, um, yeah, that's that's certainly helpful when you have friends who are able to uh, be there, listen, um, acknowledge whatever it is you're saying. Um, and certainly you'll find out <laughs> who your friends are uh, in certain situations like that, though I don't think anyone should be afraid of at least approaching uh, people that they consider friends with information about their own mental health. Though that's a decision I would strongly recommend everyone make for themselves and possibly in tandem <laughs> with a therapist because I certainly am not one. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't want to try to make that impression. Uh, but wow, first of all, uh, all three of you, thank you so much for feeling safe enough to uh, speak about your own situations here. Um, and I appreciate that. And I'll also mention kind of as a side note, if you want me to cut any of this, I will. Uh, you are completely welcome to have me cut things um, and they will never see the light of day. <laughs> uh, so let just, just let me know. I think just for me, it's closely related to how often have you told the story and how comfortable do you feel mm. talking about it now? Because I've been... <laughs> All three heads nodding in the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so many people have asked me over the years, please explain your story or please explain how it felt for you. And as, and the, the com most common response was, oh, cool, or this sounds so good. You should make a movie out of it. Like, this is not what I'm telling you this I don't want to have a, like a sad John Green movie about my life. <laughs> I just want to tell my story. The why I love story of your life. <laughs> this is not some book you're reading or some. Yeah, it's like I, this is not Fault in Your Stars Part Two. This is just my life. So no. Um, but I think this is why it's so important to talk about it right now, because thanks to the pandemic and thanks to people not being able to see each other, a lot of people are alone. May it be in a VG, uh, in a in a Wurgemeinschaft, um, people that they don't really know or that they are not friends with, or just living alone and not having people to talk to because they can't go to university and meet other students or they can't go out and meet their friends. And a lot of them are lost and they just feel sad and they have no one to talk to. And this is why I think that Lidigos Mental is so important because it gives you the chance to talk to other students or maybe to write to someone or you can uh, call one of the hotlines because. You don't, you're not, no one forces you to be alone and there are chances you can take to talk to someone. And to uh, I, and I know that there are lecturers who also feel this way. I highly recommend the uh, podcast from Unconditional Teaching where Tilsi Bura talks about his uh, class and the uh, episode, the Empathetic Online Classroom, where he talks about his uh, experience with mental health and how it affected one of his classes. And I was in this class and it was... Uh, One of the greatest moments, I think, in university where he said that he isn't okay after someone asked him. And every student understood this. And it was like, okay, take your time off. We are going to do this class or this session and without you until you feel better. And I think myself and another, stu uh, I myself and another student uh, took over the class until it was over. And then the next session, he was better. And then he thanked us for it and was awesome because every single student understood his situation because this is what the pandemic does to us. And this is what not being able to see other people does to us. So I highly recommend this uh, this episode. It's on their website, Unconditional Teaching. 
And I think if you uh, want to see the other side of the story, how lecturers are affected by this, I uh, would recommend listening to it. Also, the pandemic kind of showed other people who previously didn't have any experiences with mental health or mental health problems um, that they are quite real because many of them developed some in this pandemic or at least understood some of the feelings that come from these kind of things. So it kind of, I think, made many people more empathetic towards those kind of situations or at least they uh, got to kind of understand them better. And to add to a different thing that Leon said, I think most people, including me for a long time, kind of underestimate the empathy you can get back when you just say, okay, I'm stressed out, I don't know what to do, or I feel anxious, or whatever. I think especially something, for example, when you give a presentation, whether at school or at uni, of course you are nervous, and you kind of for the longest time kind of pretend you're not, everything's good, while at the same time every other student in that room knows what it feels like to be nervous giving a presentation. So no one should feel ashamed or embarrassed. And lecturer, I would say. <laughs> and lecturers as True. well. Thanks for adding that. And no one should feel embarrassed or ashamed if your hands are shaking, if your voice is shaking, if you forget words, because every student knows what it feels like to do that and to be in that position. And it just blows my mind how we're all just pretending like everything's fine, although we know, although every single one of us kind of understands it or feels it. And I think that's why it's so important to just talk and share stories. And that's why I kind of feel more comfortable sharing my story or whatever, because I know that there are people out there who are going to be like, oh, I understand that, at least to some extent. And I know that it might help because it helped me hearing other people talk about their problems, their issues, whatever. So, I think this is a very important point that people have a problem understanding stuff that they've haven't felt themselves because you said that if it's if it's a presentation other students know the feeling of standing in front of the class and having to present and they are they know the this feeling of of being scared that you have right now and with mental health for a long time it was something that people haven't experienced themselves so they didn't understand it. they they could understand the concept of a broken bone so if you have a broken leg they could understand okay i know how you feel this is pain this is how it looks this is how it feels i can understand this but with mental health this is not how it is. This is not how it works. So for a very long time, people couldn't understand it. So they doubted it. And thanks to the pandemic, or not thanks to the pandemic, but because of the pandemic and because of the um, growing awareness of mental health, people and people understand this. Also because they are themselves affected by it. And the more people are affected by mental health, the more they understand it. Now, if you go to a group of friends and say, yeah, I have mental health problems, a lot of them would understand because they themselves have been in this situation. They have had anxiety in school because of grades. They had anxiety in university because of other grades or because they had to present or they had anxiety because they couldn't find a job after school. And because of this growing awareness of anxiety and because of the growing amount of anxiety, people can understand where you're coming from. And I think that because of this, because this wasn't that um, 
present in previous years, or at least people didn't address it that way. I think it was there, but people didn't think about it this way. Um, it's way easier to talk to people now because people could understand what you're talking about. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think asking for understanding in different ways is also important. Um, I'll just go back to, to my story real quick, just to say, if you have a family member, a close friend, or somebody who is affected by mental illness, um, this can also have a strong impact on your life. Um, and to try to seek help and coping mechanisms for yourself. I mean, if, if uh, somebody who is very close to you is mentally ill, um, these things cannot they're not necessarily always easy. And sometimes they're so hard that you do need support. And I think that seeking out that support uh, is also something that's quite uh, healthy, something that's important. Uh, because again, there are other people out there like you, and I think this is the whole idea. Um, there are other people out there who are um, trying to figure out how to navigate not only my own mental illness, but how about my partner's mental illness or my, my parents' mental illness or my siblings' mental illness? How can I react? How can I act in a way that's both appropriate to what it is I'm feeling um, about the situation, but also with respect to what they are going through? And how do I navigate that kind of tricky waterway uh, between what's appropriate and um, what's inappropriate? But where do I draw the line between, you know, um, how much of myself do I give up and how much of myself can I stand up for in a situation um, with somebody who is mentally ill if there's something that is uh, tricky. And so also therapy is not, not only for the people who are diagnosed with mental illnesses themselves, but therapy is also for people who live with mental illness in other ways, that is with other people. Because that's not easy, necessarily. Actually, I think it's I think it's also important to mention something that people maybe don't understand. Technically, you should get therapy before anything happens. So you actually learn how to kind of stabilize yourself or to develop coping mechanisms. Because kind of once it has happened, at least for me, and I don't know if anyone else can agree with that, but it's kind of this fight mechanism like anything that would happen I would just shut down because I had to move on and I had to kind of get life going so I think once it happens I would say it's too late because your brain will probably not go oh I need help for this <laughs> because your brain will go oh I need to move on and I need to kind of push this aside and in the same vein if you know someone who has experienced trauma in any kind of way encourage them to seek help because they might not be able to do it kind of coming from themselves so maybe try i mean be sensitive about it this of course and only do this if you're in the right position i don't know in the right social connection whatever but definitely suggest it that maybe they should seek help in some shape or form um, I would like to add that there are some things you can't really prepare for. So like um, like when something happened that like you have an accident like me and I, I couldn't prepare for that. But sure. in re in, uh, there are stuff or there are things that you can anticipate. If you realize that exams scare the living crap out of you, then you know that you can seek help before you have 20 exams in front of you and you're scared and you don't want to keep going. 
if you realize that you are getting like mobbed in school and people attack you and people are not nice to you this is nothing you have to cope and deal with this is something that you can get help for and you can address you don't need to wait 15 years and endure all of this just to be an adult that dreams of this every night this is something you can address and you can deal with in the moment that it happens and uh, this is something that i can say out of experience ignoring it and then waiting five or ten years and still de dealing with it doesn't help you at all it's getting worse yes <laughs> it's gonna break you eventually yeah. <laughs> definitely and i also think yeah really also ask your friends if they're okay because for me i didn't realize i had a problem until my friend told me you have a problem nice. <laughs> um because i always thought oh it's normal to not be able to get out of bed for two weeks in a row that's fine that's just life but of course it's not what neurotypical people probably experience so having someone to tell me oh maybe you should seek help for that is really was really helpful so um yeah check in on your friends if you as you both said in the position with them to do that i think that trailer's thought is actually pretty common thinking that yeah it's, this is fine how it is this is normal it's normal that i'm that scared of this event it's normal that i'm this hurt by th this comment it's normal that i feel this way but even if it's normal that doesn't mean that you can't get help for this If you feel sad, in a certain, if, if someone in your, if a close friend of you dies, it's normal that you feel sad. That doesn't mean that it's that you're not allowed to get help for this. It, it's not a mean that you're not allowed to talk to a psychiatrist or to, or to someone else. It just mean, it, it means that you're in a position that you feel unwell in, so it's okay to get help for that. And I think it's also... Adding to that, extremely important that you do not compare yourself to others who are in the same situation. It doesn't matter whether they're you two lost the same friend and the other person can just go on just fine, seemingly fine. Maybe they're also struggling, who knows? That you think to yourself, oh, I have to do the same thing. No, you're... Or whatever, it's, oh, someone else has it worse. or Because it's not going to help you, it's not going to help anyone and you are unique and you don't have to fight because other people or because you see other people doing okay true it's no sign of weakness if you seek help because you may not be able to deal with it in in contrast i would say it's a sign of strength it's a show of courage to be able to face your own demons exactly. and put yourself in the ring with them uh, and be willing to acknowledge and also uh, either reconcile yourself with them or battle them, whatever your personal path needs. Say, saying that I'm not okay is one of the hardest things to do. Acknowledging, okay, I'm, I'm not fine, actually. I, I need help. I need to change something right now to get better. And it doesn't mean that it's in your... That Feeling unwell in your situation is unnormal. It just means you are not well right now. And I think acknowledging this and actually not even saying this to yourself, but also telling this to others is a huge step in the right direction. 
sitting, it doesn't matter if you sit at home alone or with someone else and you realize, okay, I'm not fine. I'm not okay. And actually acknowledging this and saying, okay, I, maybe I need to get some help. Maybe I need to talk to someone. This is already a step. This is not nothing. This is huge because it's not saying, yeah, it's okay like this or I can deal with this alone. It's saying, okay, maybe something needs to change. Or possibly there is just simply value in talking to someone else. Even if I don't see the value straight away, maybe talking to a therapist, talking even to a friend before talking to a therapist, just to find out, does it help me? Do I feel better having talked about it? Uh, I'm going to assume that people deal with their issues in their own particular ways. Um, but I'm going to assume that nine times out of ten, maybe even more, uh, that people having at least expressed themselves, um, that they're going to feel at least somewhat better. Um, now, I could also play devil's advocate here at this point, um, because I know that's what everybody loves. Um, and say, <laughs> uh, as, as I've heard many times before, and, and there are different ways to play devil's advocate here, I think uh, it's kind of important because these are probably things that people have heard at some point in their lives. Um, Depending on the situation, things like um, it, it, you're going to be fine. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, just pick up. Uh, just move on. Um, or another classic like uh, what's talking to some expensive uh, shrink um, going to do to make you feel better? Uh, why don't you just talk to a tape recorder or something? You'll have it cheaper. Um, I mean, there, there's lots of things that people out there. Well, there's lots of people out there that don't value the uh let, let's call it the the field of psychotherapy um or even the real medical field of um uh, psychotropic drugs or or other kinds of things that are actually medicinal that are actually working um for certain for certain kinds of uh symptoms uh to help treat particular kinds of mental illness there are those people out there i mean I'm sure I saw some nods along the way. Uh, what do you say uh, to people like these? Or what do you counter-argue to arguments like these? I know best what I need. It's basically, I think this, this is a, the best argument. No matter what you say, it's my, it's, I, can, I have to decide what I want, how I want to deal with my problem. And I want to seek help and see if it helps me. And I, if I want to do this or do that, then... Only I can decide to do this. You can advise me if I ask for your advice, but if I don't ask for your advice, then maybe don't give it to me. <laughs> and also to anyone out there, don't Google your symptoms. Don't Google how oh, you no. feel. Don't never. No matter if mental health or mm. physical health, just, just don't. No. And <laughs> I think that the symptom thing is also really kind of new trend to kind of have all those symptoms and, oh, yeah, you have this and that, uh, or you have this and that. Especially, I don't know, I don't know the TikTok a few months ago. It was a decision. Let's just keep it at that. And um, there are always these videos, oh, yeah, if you have those symptoms, you probably have ADHD or autism or something like that. And most of the time, those are pretty common things that many people do many non-neurodivergent exactly are you, are you breathing crazy is your are heart you sorting beating? stuff in this order 
then you definitely have like ADHD or you have autism. And like, no, I like to organize my things. <laughs> yeah, so I think you would probably go better with talking to a doctor at first. You can even... With actual exactly. experts. I mean, um, <laughs> at least here in Germany, uh, your, I don't know, um, your normal doctor can also help you with looking for a therapist and looking at your symptoms because, of course, they're not well-versed in it, but they are well-versed in it that they can say, oh, yeah, you should probably talk to a therapist or not and help you then with looking for someone. I would also say to, like, the devil's advocate that you should just try it. I mean, you can um, make an appointment with a therapist, like the first time appointment. You don't need anything for that. It's just basically getting to know the therapist. And then you can already get a sense of whether that's something, first of all, whether the therapist is a person you can deal with, because that's also important to find the right person. And then also if the whole thing of therapy works for you, um, and even then, If you decide you want to try it further, I think the first four to five sessions are covered anyway by health insurance. I think even six. So you still... Right? Huh? Oh, sorry. I, sorry. I think even six sessions. At least, I think that... Yeah, I think some, something like that without any kind of further Referral. receipt that you need to show or anything. And then you can still figure it out. And if you say, no, it's not for me, or I don't think this is helping me, or I don't really think I need this right now, uh, then you can stop it. But I think trying it out isn't going to hurt you. Don't write off therapy just because you didn't connect to your, to your exactly. uh, therapist. Because there are different types of therapists. And I had I per personally experienced different types of therapists that worked or didn't work because I had people that with my accident only addressed my parents instead of me like what is his problem instead of my asking what is your problem how can i help you and the first therapist i chose or the best therapist i chose in the end was someone that said okay send your parents out they come back in half an hour and we are going to talk i don't want them to tell me what is wrong with you i want you to tell me what is what you what type of help you need and what do you think is your problem that you need help with so there is a big difference between therapists and between programs that you can join. There are also group therapies and whatever is your problem. Some place out there and somewhere out there, there is a therapist that hopefully can help you. So don't write off therapy in general because you had a therapist that you couldn't connect with. This is not how it works. <laughs> yeah, when, Mich when Michelle mentioned that, I just started counting in my head, how many therapists have I met in my life? <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of fingers, um, but, but certainly I think there's something to that, um, that not only are there different therapists out there that you can connect with, there are also different types of therapy uh, that you can try out, and there are different ways to approach um, any kind of therapy, whether, as Leon mentioned, it's a group therapy or it's individual therapy or whatever it is that you want to do in the end. I feel like we're just turning into a therapy advocate group here today, <laughs> um, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Why would you not add advocate for therapy I, i wouldn't say that there's a problem with that i just didn't realize that was the topic of the show <laughs> <laughs> i mean what did you expect when you said mental health i think it's it's somewhere along the line this was 
oh, it would always be the point. Absolutely. Thing. Although we didn't talk about some of the points that I thought we might like self-care. Um, I mean, certainly therapy is, is a type of care, although not just with or by yourself. Um, but certainly self-care is something that I think people uh, should at least practice, especially with the Pomodoro method. We kind of had one thought in that direction um, for sure. So, so how are you guys keeping yourselves, you know? Uh, I, I want to say as fit as possible, uh, given the circumstances, uh, in the pandemic. Somewhat stable. Yeah. Somewhat stable, you know, balancing on a skateboard on top of a pillar on top of a <laughs> turtle on top of a ball or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, a uh, big thing I, I kind of got from beginning studying is sports which I never thought of myself that I would ever say that but um, kind of the Hochschulsport um, that I got introduced to kind of different physical things I could do um, and kind of um, I'm really lucky that I was able to kind of continue that throughout the pandemic um, since I work in a dance studio so I could go there um, so yeah, I was just really lucky with that and that also really, really helped my mental health just because getting moving and kind of going out, seeing other people, but now of course not, but uh, normally seeing other people really, really helped me and kind of bonding through that and just the mm. movement in itself. Healthy mind in a healthy body. Go ahead, Michelle. Uh, well, for me, it's actually mainly has been therapy uh i started going to therapy actually last year in may or june so like right in the midst of it and i would honestly think it kind of saved my life at that moment in time and kind of just knowing that i have this voice it's kind of reassuring me that what i'm feeling what i'm going through is okay and that I'm not alone with this and that at least half, if not everyone else is kind of feeling the same way and that it's okay for myself to take a break, maybe not do something for uni and maybe sleep in and maybe just not do what I'm su supposed to do in normal time. I think just having someone, because I still struggle with that a lot to kind of give myself a break and allow myself to kind of take a deep breath and just to have someone there kind of allowing that for me from the outside has been really valuable, Now, are you, especially in this time. Are you doing that online right now or how are you doing that? No, I actually have in-person meetings okay. every week. That sounds... And I'm really, uh, really happy about that. I was going to say, that sounds really good, given the circumstances. Yeah, it's great. I have, before the, the episode, I already said that I'm jealous that uh, both of them already found a psychiatrist because I can't get an appointment whatsoever. I'm looking for a psychiatrist for like half a year now already, and I just can't get an appointment. Because uh, thanks to the pandemic, I've become not lazy. I don't like the word lazy. I'm... Uh, I just can't get myself to do stuff when I don't need to. I, I literally don't do anything on the day because I lost all of my sports groups thanks to uh, 
the uh, thanks to not being able to meet them. I would have done parkour. I would have done like uh, gymnastics, but I can't do that. We there are some like uh, group meetings over Zoom where they do some type of exercises, but it's not the same. Uh, I would I would go like into a, a boulder uh, hall and just climb on walls, but it's also not possible. I can't meet my friends, so all I do is sit around, uh, wait for messages from my girlfriend or meet her. Or wait for my friends to come online to talk, which puts a very high pressure onto them to basically entertain me. And I know this. I know that, that I am pressuring them to, to basically carry my life on because I'm not doing anything. And this is why I wanted to go to, uh, or where I want to go to therapy, but I can't because <laughs> I can't find anyone. So I'm, I'm trying to in some way cope with it myself right now. I'm trying to do stuff for me. I'm trying to read. I'm trying to puzzle. I'm trying to play stuff on my own. But I'm also trying to get myself to actually do stuff for university. It doesn't matter if I do it in the, with a Pomodoro technique or in some other way or form. Just trying to get something done. And this can be writing a paper. This can be joining a class. But this also can be participating in a podcast. Whatever. Just do something. <laughs> And not sit around and watch the 10,000th YouTube video or whatever. <laughs> Good. What are some other coping techniques you've got going on there, Lena? No, 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 no. What is, what is with you? You asked us what we didn't uh, ask you. I, I, I did, but I was going to finish uh, last, of course, as a polite host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, host? Wait um... a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Oops. Hi, Ricky's are becoming clear. Yeah, well, you know, editor-producer editor, here is starting to feel his own uh, oats, I think, is what's going on. I think um, it's that you like to talk. You, like, you even like to talk more than I do. So you just talk, and then at some point you're the host. But, but I just asked a question. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm being yeah, yeah. bullied here. I think I'm going to have to go to Lily Goes Mental because Liam. <laughs> <the> um, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to be uh, at all diminutive about Lily Goes Mental here. I'm sure they would have an open ear for me if uh, I was being bullied by Leon, for sure. Sure. Um, we can make but, that happen, um, yeah. <laughs> but I was actually, but, but before you started bullying me, Leon, uh, what I was going to say is I, I need to figure out where you're staying at because we should probably go for a walk at least to get you out of the house. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm jogging with my, with my family from time ah, to okay. time, but go. it's just like okay. twice a week for like five kilometers and that's it because it's not okay. my type of sport because I have like, hmm. um, joint problems and I don't have the best condition. And it's it's just annoying. I don't like it. I also don't don't like riding a bike just be because I need to, a, a goal to ride to, and also I need to go to run to. And it's just like running in a circle or riding my bike around the house. Just like no, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. And this is why I like parkour. Why I like gymnastics. Why I like doing stuff with other people. But this is not possible right now. All right, so Lena, um, back to your coping mechanism. Uh... <laughs> well, um, yeah. And, and... Avoiding the topic, I see. <laughs> um, yeah, another thing that was quite important for me was uh, kind of structuring my day because that is just a problem for me. I, I, can't, I can't structure my, my day, especially well, um, before the pandemic. I went to uni, was there with former classes, then had breaks in between where I could get uni work done or could stay longer etc but 
as this is not possible anymore, I'm kind of trying <laughs> to have a kind of schedule, which mm -hmm. is not working quite yet, but in the works. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that is something I kind of try to do. I at least try to do one thing a day, be it doing the dishes or doing uni work or something else to kind of keep me motivated and just going, kind of. Mm. Um, and you also mentioned that you can still do unifit stuff uh, or something along those lines? Yeah, something along those lines. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I teach pole at the Hochschulsport and the studio where I teach that at. Um, I can still go there and do that and um, then also practice dance and um, yeah. So I'm quite privileged in that way um, hmm. because they pay me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Also nice to get money. I'm sure that does wonders for mental health as well. Yeah, um, well, I don't get money right now because the courses aren't going on, but um, yeah. <laughs> but when you do. Okay, exactly. fair enough. Technically, I'm on the payroll. Right. Okay. Yeah, and as far as uh, answering Leon's question for me, I mean, uh, especially with <laughs> the stressors that go along with being a lecturer working on a PhD, um, it, it's kind of uh, nice to allow myself not to work every now and again. And the easiest way for me to do that um, is something I don't know if you guys can relate with, but it's just spending time with my kids, um, <laughs> trying to uh, <laughs> spend time with them as much as I possibly can is always helpful because they definitely uh, keep me in check. and. Um, make sure that I'm doing something. Um, but if uh, that's not the case, uh, then one of the things I also try to allow myself to do when I'm allowing myself not to work is, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, video games are therapeutic. Um, I am a strong proponent that shooting someone in a <laughs> fantasy video game world stops people from shooting people in the actual world. Um, I think there's something to be said for the release of a good uh, round of whatever game you might prefer. Um, I've recently rediscovered GTA V to my to my detriment to to my whatever. Um, and I can't help it. There's something really fun about driving cars around real fast and <laughs> knocking myself <laughs> off a motorcycle at 120 miles an hour and ragdolling through the air and thinking, well, at least I wasn't driving it for real. Um, <laughs> and that's fair enough. I 100% I um, agree with you. I just think that uh, multiplayer games are sometimes not the way to relax. I actually totally agree with you. I tend to do most of yeah. my gaming uh, on open world uh, games where single I player. am a single yeah. player all alone um, and I get to interact with the world and nobody gets to mess with me from the outside world. <laughs> Maybe it has something to do with my narcissistic god complex. I'm not sure, um, but it's uh, a distinct possibility. No, it's but I mean, it's yeah. definitely. Uh, I think single player is the best way to take some time off and just to sink into a different into another world. And multiplayer is not always the way because if I have a bad day and if I just want to relax and take my mind off whatever is happening right now, logging in into a multiplayer game and just getting told to, I don't know, get cancer or whatever it is, it's not helping my anxiety. It's not helping me to calm down. You're playing with some really rough people if they're telling you to go get cancer. Um, 
It's not intentional. I, it's it's randomly chosen with who I play and I'm I'm not enjoy. Let's say I'm not enjoying their company, but I can't do anything against it. I see. Okay, <laughs> that's that's fair enough. Um, but no, to to speak towards the, the multiplayer aspect being somehow toxic in certain situations. I mean, even people that you think probably have their lives pretty together, Snoop Dogg. Um, I watched Snoop Dogg's Twitch as he got onto a game of Madden 2021. And uh, to be delicate about the matter, he got his ass handed to him by some 15-year-old somewhere. And he literally threw the, the, the remote down or the, the, the controller and said everything was going fine until I came into this damn room and storms out of his Twitch recording the entire yeah. time. Uh, out of his bedroom or wherever it is that Snoop Dogg plays his video games. Um, so you kind of see even in there's video evidence that competitive multiplayer gaming is not necessarily always stress relief. True. I think Snoop Dogg is one of the most chilled person out there. He's sometimes chilled as you can be. And if a game can aggravate Snoop Dogg, then it's definitely not the best way to cope with aggression or depression or mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where bro for like a really chill game I can kind of recommend Stardew Valley I discovered it also Animal Stanley. Crossing as I've heard is super exciting that's true yeah yeah they're quite similar but I haven't really played Animal Crossing but as I've heard good are there any other issues that you guys feel like we haven't covered yet I feel like we've been going at it for a while now and you guys even longer than me with the uh pre-recording party that I was not invited to. Um, All right. Do you want to tell the people what happened? <laughs> I think you can explain it better. I didn't even realize what had happened until it was way too late. There was a, a miscommunication with the email sending around when uh, talking about when we are going to meet. And basically, uh, we somehow excluded Brian from the talk about, are we going to meet on this and this day and this and this hour? And so we met up and Brian wasn't there. And like one and a half hours into our meeting, Brian joined us because we rewrote like five emails saying, Brian, please, where are you? Why are you not here? So it just goes to show, um, even when I'm not checking my emails, about an hour and a half is the uh, answer time that you can expect. <laughs> From, from email correspondence, uh, if it's important. Um, otherwise, uh, I wouldn't vouch for the hour and a half. Um, I think the, the last question I would have yeah. concerning mental health, um, do you think there is, except for the part that I mentioned, um, there is a big difference between mental health, uh, the impact of studying uh, on students' mental health between the online semester and the normal semester? Because I, I know that there are lecturers and students that enjoy the online semester and enjoy not having to go to university, not sitting between dozens of students and maybe being very anxious, sitting to someone you don't know. And I also know that there are students that say, I hate the online semester and I just want to see other students. I want to see signs of life <laughs> and not just empty screens. And I want to talk to other people. I want to raise my hand, my actual hand, to say stuff that I want to say. And I want to talk to my neighbor. That he, that is actually my sitting on the on the on the chair next to me. Oh, who's that question directed towards? <laughs> All of you, and I know your answer already. Do you? But 
Hmm. Yeah, I do. Well, I don't know if I'm maybe for the students in the minority, at least from what I've heard from other people, but I'm enjoying the online semesters. <laughs> I mean, thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I consider myself an introvert. I'm very shy. I don't like to be among a lot of people. I don't like to be observed by people. I don't like to talk in front of people. <laughs> so doing all the lectures from home via Zoom has been extremely helpful for me because because of Zoom, you can actually only see like four or five faces. So I can trick myself into thinking, oh, there are only four or five people looking at me and not like maybe 30. And it, it has made it so much easier for me to actually speak up and join the class discussion and also just in general i mean i only now had the courage to join lily goes mental during the pandemic um i actually got into a group of friends where where we always meet every sunday to play games which hasn't happened before because we're literally all over germany and Back to university, I also, during the semesters, I've had incredible lectures, including Brian. Oh, you honor me. <laughs> who have been super understanding of the whole situation and who actually did not overload our students with assignments and everything. So everything for my courses, at least, were very manageable. And so... It was, yeah, I've had a great experience. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm missing kind of the social aspect and meeting my friends, but I'm doing great, honestly, <laughs> when it comes to, like, university and stuff. So I actually had the courage to apply for a job, and I would have never done that, I think, in normal times, at least, I think. I mean, and you're here right now and i'm here i'm doing a podcast <laughs> who would have ever thought in normal times i would have been terrified i would have been super anxious but now i get to be at home and it's my own sphere and i feel comfortable and so yeah i might be in the minority here like <laughs> i said i don't know what is your position lena um yeah, not the same. <laughs> really not. <laughs> no, I'm, um, well, I've kind of found it hard to kind of get used to the online life because now everything in my life is kind of in this one square meter of my room and nowhere else. So um, for me, I found it hard to kind of separate the uni life and my private life and work and not work um, <laughs> um, and also kind of just I don't know I found communication harder so you couldn't just talk to lecturers after the lecture um, because most of them just end the meeting which is understandable we all have stuff to do after but before you could just go up to them and ask questions or something um, and just communication with the the other students was easier beforehand as you didn't have to have kind of the email address or telephone number to reach them. You could just look next to you and talk to them. So I think those kind of connections you were able to 
form during seminars aren't really there anymore. Um, so yeah, just kind of this lonelier existence kind of uh, has been the biggest detriment from the online sem semesters for me. Brian, I think I already know your position, but what do you think about the online semester? <laughs> you know, I've actually, I go back and forth. Oh, really? Um, there, are, there are things about the, the online semester that I could really get used to. A lot of the things that Michelle already was talking about. Um, just just to be able to wake up at 10 minutes before class and be like, oh, I can still make a coffee. It's okay. Um, just turn on my computer while my computer's booting up. I can grab that coffee and I'm good to go. Just make sure I'm not wearing my pajamas anymore, um, at least from the chest up. And that's actually really nice. Um, just the, the commute's not there. Um, uh, I feel like the certain things about Zoom are also nice. Um, getting people to participate in group work, in theory, uh, goes faster in Zoom. That is to say, I don't have to say we're going to separate you into groom, uh, groups. Now let's count through the room. One, two, three, four, <laughs> etc. If I don't want the same people always getting together with the same people. Um, the breakout rooms are nice for randomizing group work in that way. I realize students don't see it the same way. Uh, and I also realize that in Zoom or breakout rooms, not everybody, A, turns on their microphone or camera and talks, or uh, B, uh, does what they should be doing when they have their camera and microphone on, um, but are talking about the weekend. I've heard lots of things about uh, this from other students. Um, I want to say narcs, but I'll be nice. Um, <laughs> you have three students in your call. Complaints. Three students in your call that definitely agreed with your last statements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but I mean, the, 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 this is this is a complaint that students have brought back to me. That you know, you know, I love the class, but um, group work wasn't much group work unless you know you were in the room, kind of directing us to do the work because we weren't doing it otherwise. Um, so, I mean, those things, I think, um, you know, those are kind of the hit and miss parts of the Zoom campaign. Um, and I think finally, uh, the things that I'm really missing are really literally just the in-between times, like Lena was just talking about, like just being able to talk with students or colleagues in between classes, in between appointments, in between meetings, um, just catching up on what people are doing that you would randomly bump into. You don't randomly bump into anyone on Zoom. Um, <laughs> It's very deliberate. Everything is very deliberate when we're we're socializing and meeting and holding classes here. Um, and for most of my classrooms, that's 100% design. Um, only people who are in the class are going to come into the class. There's no stumbling into somebody's classroom because you've randomly guessed the Zoom meeting <laughs> code or something like that. Um, although those encounters were also uh charming to an extent um and i enjoyed even those random bits of humanity and i think those are the things that are missing um but honestly a lifetime of gaming has prepared me for this semester like no other um or these these semesters and i feel like honestly if i look back at um you know the, the classes that i'm doing you know without wanting to toot my own horn I'm slaying it. You know, this is just. You are. You are. That this is my this is my niche, um, and so, and I agree. Or I thank you for the agreement. Um, I, I really appreciate that. It's it's just the feeling I have. It's like it's not even whether or not students think I'm slaying it. I I get to the end of a class and I'm like, boy, that went really well today. 
and tick and um, self-esteem is it's right there and I'm happy and I just move on with my day unfortunately you know there's still all these other limitations uh, <laughs> it's not just the zoom classroom it's the entire <laughs> pandemic regulations that we have to deal with um, and if it were only the zoom classroom I think I would be fine but it's not and that's the tough part short answer very short <laughs> There's, there's some nuance to my answer, man. What do you what do you expect? <laughs> As someone, how do I say this delicately? As someone that has had the honor of having an online class with you last semester, because we are in the new in the new semester, I can agree that you seem like you have fun during the online semester. But my class was a lot of group work, which. Uh, goes in the direction of what you said before that the group work not on, not always works out great so for me the parts where we could actually talk to you and where we could interact with you and have this group discussion as a whole as a whole class that was fun and that was actually great and I, you're one of the lecturers that makes it possible to not feel that different in an online class than in a normal class But the group works were sometimes very, very uncomfortable or boring or not working out great. So I think there are lectures that can deal with it pretty good. They can have very good online classes, no matter if they like it or not. And there are lectures that can't do that. And that in this case, just record videos or have online classes that are just mediocre. And I think this is very sad because there are lectures that I really, really, really like to talk to. And I love their classes. And then we have the online semester and they say, okay, I'm going to send you videos. Or we are going to have this type of uh, seminar and, I, and in, it just doesn't work out. And it's super sad because I, I love their classes, but it's, it's just not the same. So I think there are positives and negatives to the uh, there are good points and bad points related to the online uh, online semester and i hope at some point at least we can have a mix where lectures that say i don't feel comfortable in a normal classroom i want to rather do online seminars because i feel safer this way can do online seminars and when lectures that say i can't do online seminars i don't feel comfortable doing it online i can't teach the way i want to online can do some sort of presence teaching to get back to the, their, their style of class and their sort of teaching. Um, until then, we can't really change any, any of this and we can just say, okay, I like this or I don't like this. And I personally, I, I wouldn't say I'm the opposite of Michelle, but I like to, I like to present. I like to talk to students. I like, I like the feeling of having something I prepared And saying, okay, guys, this is what I have. I'm going to show you how awesome this is. Or what, what or I show, I'm going to show you the amount of work I have put into this. I want to become a lecturer. This is what I like to do. I like to talk. I like to teach. Um, so having an online seminar or an online semester is basically the opposite of what I want to do. Because I want to, to sit in front of and like, this is what I have. And not look at 30 pictures and three cameras or something this is not what i like to do and this is not what i enjoy well fair uh, yeah it's <laughs> tough i mean it, it, and i think that's kind of it there's there's going to be um a difference of opinion and honestly i think what we're doing in uh education right now 
is also simply a coping mechanism. We're trying to cope with the limited, you know, possibilities that we have. And the fact that we're even able to have classes at this point, I think we also have to recognize we should be thankful that this format is even possible. Um, otherwise, everything else would have just been on pause for now, what's a year and a half coming up with the end of this upcoming semester. So, I mean, a year and a half pause or a year and a half of this, which is at least admittedly both positive and negative, depending on your perspective. I also think that it made it easier for people with kind of kids at home or something to be able to participate in classes because at least what I've seen um, in the seminars I attended um, so or even with people who weren't able to kind of take eight o'clock classes because they have a travel time of one and a half hours and just aren't able to get up at four in the morning uh, or something like that um, so I think there are also these kind of positive things. <laughs> I, th I think that's definitely true. Um, I think that this is an argument that I heard someone say like a year ago. If I write myself in, or if, if, I, if I say I want to study at the University Bielefeld or at any university, I'm applying as a student that goes to this university. And I think there, there are online seminars or online universities that you can apply to where you only have Zoom calls or where you only have videos, video calls. And I think this is the difference. If you apply uh, at the University of Bielefeld, you apply as a student that drives the university. And uh, I think that if you don't feel comfortable with it, or if you have children, or if you have any, if you can't get to university, there are ways for you to study in some form. I'm not saying that you shouldn't study at the University of Bielefeld. Not at all. I'm saying that normally this is what people would expect if they applied at a university i think that's true and i i've talked to a lot of students right now that say i applied at the university uh, a, a couple of years ago i applied at the university and this is not why i applied i didn't apply at the university to have online seminars i applied at the university to have present uh, to be there in, yeah. in, in in present and to to talk to a lecture in person mm. yeah but again thankfulness for what we do have i mean i feel like I can't stress that enough. Uh, I yeah. realize it's not optimal, but we've got what we've got. And it's a lot more than some people got. It's not an alternative, but it's an next best thing, is what I would say. I'll take that. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> we could also just agree to disagree. It's also fine. Well, no, I mean, uh, I, I totally agree with you that it's uh, not the best situation. I mean, I totally agree with that. There's no disagreeing there at all. Um, and as much as I enjoy certain classes online, I think there are lots of classes that work much better in person, um, of, of mine yeah. even. Um, and so while there are some that I think might even in the future work better as an online course, um, I think many of my classes I would prefer to be in a room with people for. Um, it's just, you know, I, I think there's just some some better dynamics, group dynamics, um, and also the element of surprise, <laughs> the randomness that comes <laughs> when you get a group of people together. I can only speak for myself, but I personally enjoy seeing you in person more than just on a camera. 
I like your classes in person. Again, you honor me, sir. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like we have to tell the audience that everybody has to sign a waiver that they're going to compliment Brian at least once if they agree to come on this podcast. Um, and so... <laughs> I will tell our next special guest beforehand. <laughs> You've done... Oh, wow. Oh, goodness. Oh, that... List of we compliments. Can, we can prepare a list if you want to. Oh, it's going to make it easier. Does that mean I get to write the list of compliments that no, people no, no. get to? No, I don't get to write it. No. Oh. Exactly. You're not allowed to. Huh. I do this. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought I might get something out of this. Oh, well. Um, no, I, I appreciate all the compliments. It just feels to me it's a, a, a natural thing, these these compliments. Um, and so I have to point it out. Um, we're, we're getting really <laughs> late on the time here, folks. Um uh, if, if I already start talking about uh, compliments in the abstract, uh, we should already know. Uh, we've been recording, at least according to my clock, for about an hour and 47 minutes and 13 seconds. Yeah. Uh, not that anyone's counting. Um, no. So we're going to have to wrap <laughs> things up here. But uh, any any final yeah. final thoughts or pleas? I mean, we're here to talk about Lily Goes Mental. Any final, final, I don't know, plugs, advertisements, Lena, Michelle, that you guys want to do for Lily Goes Mental? I mean, uh, you can always keep up with us via our website, lilygoesmental.de. Am I right with that? I <laughs> don't have my tabs open anymore, but <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and our Instagram account, um, also lilygoesmental, just everything together, um, um, where you can send us DMs or you can also always send us an email. Um, I think via email the whole team is available for your answers <laughs> so that will probably be the best um yeah excellent we will be sure to put all of those links into the description uh of the video so that people can follow all of those uh, assuming you send me an email with all of those links <laughs> i will send you an email with all of those links Excellent. so we'll put that in the description and everybody can uh, be sure to contact you that way um anything else michelle that you wanted to mention not really i mean if you want to join go ahead just send an informal email that's what i did and then you will get a very nice email back with um probably with the link the zoom link to the next meeting and then you can join. And I can assure you, they're all very, very nice people. And you will not be forced to do anything. So don't be afraid. I was for a long time, but you don't have to be. So it's it's a good thing. Nice. That's that's the best words that we could possibly end on. Lily goes mental. Thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Should be the new slogan. What we slogan. need is like somebody to to wink and there to be like a, a triangle that rings out when they say it. Lily goes mental. Ding! It's a good thing. Um, it's a good thing. Perfect. All right, uh, Leon. How about you? Any words for our our podcast listeners? Mm. I think we've said most of the things. I'm really looking forward to the next episode with a hopefully special guest that I'm not going to spoil right now. Ooh. Uh, and uh, we're doing teasers I'm already. already yeah, already in the, in the second episode. And I'm uh, looking forward to your wonderful outro <laughs> that you put uh, out of the last episode and the ending. I'm looking forward to it, hearing it 
after we finished right now. Absolutely. I will definitely make sure that we have a lovely outro and that it's personalized <laughs> for everybody here, of course. Um, but in that vein, um, I would also like to say just thank you so much, uh, Lena. Thank you so much, Michelle, not only for being here today, but also for sharing your very personal stories. Um, I, as I said, if you want me to cut any of that stuff out, you just have to let me know. Um, otherwise, I think... Uh, I think, um, you know, just hearing other people's stories makes the rest of us feel that much more normal, um, no matter how abnormal we feel. <laughs> and trust me, I think these days a lot of us are feeling abnormal. Um, and so I think uh, what we're doing, or at least attempting to do, um, yeah, is important. And what Lily Goes Mental does on a regular basis is very important. So I'm so thankful for uh, both of you being here today. I uh, really appreciate you. And uh, yeah. With that, Leon, you want to count us out? Five, six, seven, eight, no? Count us out. <laughs> five, six, seven, eight. That's, five, six, seven, eight is not our thing. That's Zex and, 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 and Donald. Okay. Uh, what's Donald our thing going to be? <laughs> Shout out to Zach Braff and Donald Faison. Um, <laughs> Again. Can <laughs> <laughs> we definitely listen to this? You <laughs> never know. The internet is a weird place. That would be. S but they can't. They yes. can't. One day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> If 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 Donald <laughs> Faison and Zach Braff listen to our podcast, this is like a dream come true. That if this so gets a awesome. hundred thousand likes <laughs> achieved, special guest appearance by. Oh, yeah, I don't know if we could guarantee Zach or Donald here, um, but I, I feel like <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> no, we can't. They're they're both working actors again at this point. Um, <laughs> But what we could do is uh, maybe make our podcast public at some point. It's still very private, and it's only intended for our audience at the lovely Bielefeld University. Um, and so it's it's not even possible to get that many likes. We don't have that many students in our program. So at any rate, great. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, Leon, Lena, Michelle, always a pleasure and a privilege. And I will... Uh, yeah, make sure that you guys get copies of all of this lovely material so that you can green light it uh, before it goes live. Um, and I would just say to our audience, thank you everybody for listening and we will see you next time with special guest appearance. <laughs> special guest X. And with that, have a lovely time and uh, don't forget to check in with another episode of Anglistin Assemble. Bye. This episode of Anglistan Assemble was privately produced as a joint, non-profit, informational project of students and staff of Bielefeld University. All views and opinions expressed on the show in no way reflect the official views of the university and are solely the perspectives of our hosts and guests. Information provided is true to the best of our knowledge at the time of production, but is naturally subject to change as some details are time-sensitive. Anglistan Assemble was produced and edited by Brian Rosema and Leon Dalashel for the private use of our quality audience. Musical accompaniment was fished out of the FMA Free Music Archives and includes the musical stylings of Makaya Beats and Ishwa. To listen to and support these artists, you can go to freemusicarchive.org and check out their fine tracks and many others. And finally, we'd like to thank our special guests today, 
the learned Lena Rosenfeld, and the maverick Michelle Pivek.